never been to an Emmaus event or a Crescio event. There are many of us in the church who have been part of that renewal movement. We have an active Crescio group here at the church. If that's something you're, you've ever been interested in doing, talk to me or any, any of us. I know uh, many of us have, have been on it, and we would love to talk to you about how you could, you could go on a Emmaus or Crescio event, and you'll, you'll be blessed by that, I promise you. But, but we, in the text, we would see um, uh, two men walking down the road. Jesus, Jesus appears to them, but they don't know it's Jesus. Scripture says that he goes through all the Scripture, speaking about how it talks about him. They go inside the house. He breaks bread, and in the breaking of bread, they realize it's Jesus. And so the entire story is basically about how Jesus was there in their midst the entire time. And it wasn't until the bread was broken and blessed. It wasn't until the Scriptures were, un, uh, were, were laid out before them that they realized Jesus' presence there. So Jesus appears to us through the reading of Scripture. When we search Scripture, John Wesley called that a means of grace. When we search Scripture, we find Jesus' presence there with us. When we are together in the church doing things like the sacraments, like communion, like baptism, like these type things, Jesus is present with us. But the entire point of Emmaus Road was this. Jesus was present with these disciples the entire time. They just didn't see it. So our prayer needs to be for the grace to see Jesus present with us each day. Not just in the divine appointments, but sometimes just walking down the road. He's there with us in all times. And that was basically my sermon for this morning in about two minutes. That's pretty good, right? But I'm not letting you out yet. Because this morning, during, as we were in the middle of the first storm, about 8.30, I began to think about storms. And every once in a while, the Lord will tell me, mm, you're not preaching what you said you were going to preach. So sorry, Barbara, I'm going somewhere else in the news. So don't, don't pay attention to the newsletter this morning. I'm going somewhere else. Begin to think about storms. Begin to think about storms. And so I, wonder, I, wonder, I have a couple passages I want to read to you this morning. First is going to come from Mark. Mark chapter 4. So I invite you as you are able in body and spirit to stand for the reading of our gospel this morning. It's going to be from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 and following. On that day when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat on the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, Why were you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of God of the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We see here the disciples do something very common. They go out in a boat. These guys were used to boats. They were used to fishing. They were used to the sea. That was a common thing for them. They were used to this right here. This was an ordinary event to go out on the lake. By the way, real quick, this is one of those stories that knowing where I'm, one of the many places in my life where I'm forever indebted to Sam Morris is knowing the land. And when you hear lake, we think, well, when you hear sea, you think big body water. You think Lake Michigan, you know, the 
Caribbean Sea. Don't think sea, think lake. The Sea of Galilee is smaller than the reservoir. It is not a big body of water. As I've heard it said in Mississippi, the Sea of Galilee would be a pond. And the Jordan River will be a creek. I mean, this is not a big body of water. This is a small body of water that they are used to being in. The disciples are used to getting in their boat and going across it. And it's a common practice. But one of the, one of the things that's very common in the Sea of Galilee, it's very common there, is for a storm to blow up. I mean, it was not at all uncommon for them to be out on the lake, to be fishing, and for a storm to blow up. Ordinary. So these guys, this wasn't their first rodeo. They've been on the sea before when a storm blew up. They were used to, they knew the, they knew the sea. They were fishermen. I'm not a fisherman. Fishing's like hunting. It involves a lot of not talking. And I'm not good at not talking. I'm not sure I'm good at talking but I'm really bad at being quiet. So these guys knew the water. They, you fishermen know where the good spots are. You know where to put your boat. You know, they knew this lake like the back of their hands. So it was not uncommon for them to be in the lake. It's not uncommon for them to be in the storm. Something happened. A storm blew up. And this is not an ordinary storm. These guys were used to storms. They were used to wind and water. That was part of their life. This must have been some ferocious storm. Because notice, notice what they do. So they find Jesus and they say, Do you not care if we perish? Okay, see, if we were to make a list of things about Jesus, like things that we know about Jesus, things that are true about Jesus, all of us, no matter, no matter what you think about Jesus, you're going to at some point on the list say, well, Jesus loves me. I mean, that's kind of a, we kind of know that. Jesus loves us. We sing about it. We write about it. We preach about it. We all know that no matter what else you think about church, no matter what else you think about people, no matter what else you think about Jesus, you know that Jesus loves you. You know Jesus cares for you. That's kind of a bedrock belief of the Christian church. Jesus, is a, he's, he's a pretty big fan of yours. He kind of likes you. Okay? They knew that. They had walked with Jesus. They had seen Jesus love. They had seen Jesus serve. They had walked with Jesus. They knew Jesus. They knew Jesus loved them. They knew it. Why else would they follow him? They knew it. But here's the thing. Fear is a funny thing. And fear will do really weird things to you. Like fear will make you believe things that are not true. And fear will make you disbelieve the truth. This was a ferocious storm. And the winds came and the waves crashed. And these seafaring fishermen who were rough and tumble 
and strong and brave. Became very, very, very afraid. And they began to question the one thing that they knew to be true. Does Jesus love us? Does Jesus really love us? Does he not care if we perish? Does he not care if we drown? Does he not care that this storm is fixing to take us under? Does he not care? They knew he cared intellectually. They, he, intellectually, they knew that. But sometimes it's a long distance from right here to right here. You can know something to be true, but fear can sucker punch you and get you to doubt and believe everything you know to be true. So the text here says they go and they find Jesus in the stern and they wake him up. It's okay, once again, here's context. I've not seen this boat but I've seen boats that look much like it. So when you, when you hear this story, it says they went and found him asleep and they woke him up. What do you think of? I've always thought of like a big boat with, you know, an inside and an outside, maybe two stories. They went inside, you know, they, a, a, not a yacht, but a big enough boat to where there was an inside and an outside and they could have to look for Jesus and find him. Okay, I've seen one of these type boats. That boat they were in was probably as from here to the, Picture water over there, probably as wide as from here to the back of the table. It's not a big boat. We're not talking about Gilligan's Island. There's no three-hour tour here. It's a little bitty fishing boat. So he's right there. Like they, they didn't have to go far looking for him. They just, oh, there he is. Okay. You know. So they go to him and say, Do you not care if we perish? Do you not care if we drown? Do you not care if we die? Does our life mean nothing to you, Jesus? Do you not care? What does he do? Scripture says he speaks, calms the wind. And they are amazed because even the wind and the waves obey him. Sometimes we are in the midst of the storms of life. Sometimes the storm is our family life. Sometimes the storm is work-related. Sometimes the storm is our, our children. Sometimes the storm is our financial situation. Sometimes the storm could be, is, our, is our health or the health of others. And we want to we do just like the disciples and go to Jesus and say, do you not care that I've lost my job, Jesus? Do you not care? Do you not care that my marriage is falling apart? Do you not care that my children are, 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 are do you not care that, uh, uh, of my work? Do you not care? Do you not care about me, Jesus? The storms hit us and we are overwhelmed and we are just like the disciples and say, Jesus, do you care if I perish? Jesus, do you care if my life falls apart? Jesus, do I matter to you? Do you care what happens to me? The storms hit us, and we are afraid. We're like, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care, Lord? Remember what fear does. Fear makes us doubt that which is true. 
Of course he cares about you. He gave, the, the Father gave the Son for you. He loves you more than your mind can even fathom. Of course he loves you. Of course he cares about you. Of course he cares about your work. Of course he cares about your family. Of course he cares about your marriage. Of course he cares about your children. Of course. Of course he does. The Lord loves you more than your mind can even fathom. You are his beloved. If he had a refrigerator, he'd put your picture on it. I mean, he loves you. But fear makes us doubt that which we know to be true. In the middle of the storms, be they literal, they be figurative. Do not doubt God's love for you. He loves you. In the text today, we see him go to the storm and say, peace, be still, be calm. I am still God. Do not be afraid in the storm. For the Lord has not left us. Sometimes he brings peace to the storms in our life. But here's the deal. Not every time. He doesn't always bring peace to the storm. I'm going to say something now that you might not agree with or like. You may want to throw things at me. And if so, I'm going to duck behind the pulpit. I don't know what I'm going to do. If y'all are going to throw things at me, I'm just in trouble. I'm going to have to get behind, underneath the table, I reckon. I'm not a fan of a lot of the Christian movies that have come out recently. Like, I like spiritual movies. I like movies with spiritual points to them. But movies like, uh, uh, I mean, I don't want to name them. But I'm not a big fan of Facing the Giants. And I'll tell you why. I call them Christian fairy tales because the coach is losing and he's lost and he's having marriage problems and she can't get pregnant and life is awful. And then he gets saved. And what happens? They start winning. She gets pregnant. Their marriage gets healed. Yay. Sometimes you get saved and she still can't get pregnant. Sometimes you get saved and you still lose your job. Sometimes you get saved and your marriage is still in trouble. Sometimes you get saved and the storm doesn't go away. It made me think of Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this. But if I wish to boast... I will not be a fool. I'll be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that, that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect 
in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell with me. We don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Some, some biblical scholars think it may have been something with his eyes. Because um, if you remember when Paul was saved, he was blinded. And later in the book of Galatians, he tells the Galatians, said, if you could, you would have given me your very eyes. So a lot of biblical scholars think that Paul's thorn in the flesh may have been something related to his eyes. But the text does not say. We don't know what his thorn in the flesh is. But we know that whatever it was, three times he went to God and said, God, you've got to do something. <laughs> God, you've got to help me. God, you got to do something. I, I can't, God. I can't do this. You, you got to take this. You got to fix this. You got to do something with this, God. I cannot do this. This thorn is too much. This storm is too much. I can't handle this, God. You got to do something. Because I can't do this. To which God says, No. For my grace, my power is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes the storms don't always get better immediately. Sometimes the road remains rocky. Sometimes the road remains hard. And in those moments, we realize that we can't do it. God, I can't do this. Exactly. You can't do it. But God, through you, can do all things. For nothing is impossible with God. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And if your storm is so great that you can't hold your head up anymore... If your storm is so heavy that you can't take it, if your burden is so heavy that you can't carry it, church, you got to stop trying to carry it yourself. You've got to realize you can't carry it yourself and that you're not strong enough and that you can't do it, but that only God through you can do it. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's right. When the storm comes... And we can't take it. That's when we have to learn that we cannot do it. But only the power of God through us can. The storms don't always go away. But no matter how severe the storm, we are promised in God's word in Romans 8, 28, that all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things work for good. Even the storms, even the thorns in the flesh, even the battles, even the scars, even the worries, even the doubts, even the fears, even the darkness. Scripture says, where could I go to hide from you? The darkness is not dark to you and night's as bright as day. Even if I make my bed in hell, still there your spirit will find me. God will use all things. God will use all things for our good and for his glory. But that doesn't mean it's going to always be okay. And that doesn't mean the storm isn't real. And that doesn't mean it sometimes doesn't hurt. 
This past week, I ran into a dear friend of mine uh, in a coffee shop, a friend I hadn't seen in a year or two. And they've had a, a rough couple years, had some really tragic things happen in the life of their family, very, very tragic. And God's used their story. They've been able to tell their story in print and various media places, but they've had a rough couple years. And we were just talking about how it's been hard. How it's been hard. And that God's used it. God's used their pain. God has used their intense family suffering to bring glory to his name and to help others and to strengthen others. But I looked at her and said, but it still hurts, doesn't it? She said, yeah. And I said, that's okay. It's supposed to. Y'all, I'm not telling you that storm's cold was going to be easy. And oh my goodness, I wish as your pastor, I wish with every fiber of my being, I could keep you from ever suffering. Oh my gosh. I wish I could keep pain at bay. I wish I could keep suffering at bay. I wish I could keep the storms at bay, but I can't. Sometimes we go through the storms. And sometimes in the storm, God speaks peace to them and God calms the waves and quiets the seas and keeps everything peaceful. Sometimes he does. But sometimes like Paul, we say, God, you gotta gotta do something. And God says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. In the midst of the storm, hold on. See, God's not going to let go of you. He promised us he will never leave nor forsake us no matter what. God is not letting go of you. You don't let go of him. No matter how high the waves, no matter how strong the wind, no matter how heavy the burden, God will use it. Hold on. My prayer is that he calms all the storms in our life. But if he doesn't, hold on even more tightly to him. Because his power is made perfect in our weakness. And just because he doesn't calm the storm doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. It doesn't mean he's mad at you. And it doesn't mean he's out to get you. And it doesn't mean he's just trying to poke you because he's, he's a mean old God up in heaven. He loves you. So hold on. No matter what the storm is in life, hold on. Because he has promised he will not let go of you. Let us pray.